0: out into the world with action. Smart people dating with doctors, Julia Hodgson and Matt Hi. Both are amazing psychologists. They specialize in gifted and smart people and they happen to be business partners and they also are married and they have two amazing children. So Dr. (laughs) Matt was on the show earlier, two interviews actually, and it's been requested by viewers to have him speak about smart people dating and so we invited his beautiful wife who also specializes in this topic to join us and talk about this topic so when you want more information on both of them that's all in the show notes we're just going to dive right in and start asking them because here they're gifted people they're smart and they had to date before they got married. So there's a secret somewhere <laughs> it's in here. true, right? <laughs> Not really sure what it is yet, but they're going to tell us. So welcome to the show, both of you.
1: Oh, It's so great to be back. I've been looking forward to this ever since we set it up.
0: So,
2: <laughs> And I'm very honored to be here to join. Yeah.
1: yeah. I was like, you got to come. You got to be a <laughs> part of this. So.
2: Yes,
0: it's really fun. And I'm glad that you were willing to do it, Julia, because it's, this is a really big topic. Of how does a smart person navigate dating. Now I heard some research and you can tell me if it's even accurate. I've, I've read it more than once, um, doing research on intimacy. And one of the things I keep seeing is that intimacy is more profound and lasts better when people are within five IQ points of each other.
3: Hmm.
0: Do you see that to be the case in real life out there? Or is that just some research
1: bunk? So I've seen this research mm-hmm. and, and I think that I think it's a little bit correlation, not causation. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, you know, ultimately we're looking for people who are on similar wavelengths to us. who have similar interests, similar values, you are more likely to find those things with someone who's relatively close to you in IQ points. And then those things feed intimacy, right? I wouldn't think that it's the other way around, right? I think that it's commonality creates intimacy, which sustains a relationship, right? Because you can be intimate with friends right, right? and coworkers. And I've always found that wherever I go, where my journeys take me, the people I get along with are the people who are, I think cognitively have similar brains to mine, right? So those are the people I can create intimate relationships with. You know, I think that, yeah, I don't know if it's five points, but I see we're relatively in the same weight class IQ wise. So, you know, so I think that it's a, you know, I think it's the right idea. You know, I think maybe it's we need to broaden the idea, the the terminology a little bit.
0: Yeah, like I that makes a lot more sense to me because when I saw it, I thought, well, it can't just be that. On the surface, there's way more factors and way more different kinds of intimacy and ways to build those relationships than just what you're. You know, otherwise we would just make that a little survey question, and I'd only go out with you if your IQ was in that range. And that would be given that what I think mine is is even accurate, and we all already know there's variance there. So now we're in trouble. And then you add a little neurodiversity and some overexcitabilities, and now that research can leave, you know, its validity. So what do you see, like? As or maybe when you guys were single and you were meeting each other, what's a big thing to consider when you're a smart person? Now, not all adults. I work with a lot of gifted people, but they don't usually use the word gifted. They still think it's about kids. So but when I say you're smart and talented, they'll they'll say yes to that. So if you're a smart person and you're looking to date people or meet people, even what are some things to consider to help make it more palatable and more friendly and more rewarding because
1: mm. that's what we want from dating right you know that's that's exactly it um i'll jump in and you can yeah. yeah so so as somebody who struggled with the dating thing for most of my life it took me a long time to figure out how to make my brain work for me in the dating world rather than being this either this anchor dragging me down or this big secret because shh, I'm smart, don't tell anybody, right? That was, you know, I, I, that was something that I, you know, I, I felt like I had to navigate forever. And then when I put that front and center, yeah, I'm this really smart, quirky guy and I like cartoons and I love musical theater and I read a million books. And then once I put those things front and center, well, would you just believe it? My dating life got a lot better. So it's like, huh, Ah, right? <laughs> so I think the first thing that the smart people that we're talking to out there is put that first. Society might tell you that you shouldn't, right? And I think that's one of the things we're going to get into a little bit later. Right. There's no right way to date to wade into the, the dating world, but if you lead with the things that matter most to you, you are, you're giving yourself a much better chance of success
0: yeah you yeah, it's successful, and you'll find people that actually resonate with that and the people who don't resonate with that they may be friends or something else, but that doesn't let them that much closer and organically and I think that makes sense yeah,
2: yeah and and i I think for
0: myself when I think about my
2: own journey, there's this added gender piece you know being a smart woman or a smart uh, girl depending how old you are um, <laughs> it it can come off as even more intimidating, even more of an undesirable treat to be a smart person. And, you know, I, I think we all have stories or know of, of people who have dumbed themselves down, women in particular, to not threaten the people they were dating. Mm-hmm. Um, but then just in the same vein of presenting your authentic self, if you're dumbing yourself down, you are not going to find someone who is on that level with you where you can develop that intimacy and develop that familiarity. Um, and so it actually takes a little bit of work just in yourself, just like being okay with who you are, being okay with being a smart person because for some reason that is a bad thing. Yeah. Bad thing. <laughs> and it, you know, I think that's one of the things that I, I found appealing about him was he was unapologetic about this is who I am. Mm-hmm. And the, the smart person part of it and the liking cartoons and comics part of it, I mean, I knew that from the beginning. Yeah. And I really liked that because he just felt so genuine. And I felt like, okay, I'm actually seeing who he is because this would be a weird front to put up. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird game um, to play. <laughs> if it weren't. And so, so that, that allowed me to feel comfortable with those same traits in myself. And so I think that's just also, to go back to your early question, why sometimes you, you are attracted to people who are in that similar wavelength, IQ, whatever you want to call it. Because
0: mm-hmm. it can
2: help you acknowledge and accept the pieces in yourself, as well as feel comfortable with the person that you are dating or talking to or yeah. getting to know.
0: Yeah. I think you make a really strong A point there about getting to know yourself enough to be comfortable with being your authentic self. Because see, I've run into a lot because I'm four eleven and I'm blonde, Mm -hmm. and I'm a girl, and I'm really smart, and that has been misunderstood on every way forever, and still gets misunderstood. Like still, people look at me funny and go, "What?" You know, they they don't expect it, and and it's interesting. And so, until we can step into really who we are, then. Anybody we would be attracting would be attracted to that veil, not to the real us, which then eventually leads to some kind of rift, wouldn't you say? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So the first work is going within and being okay with who you are and owning it mm-hmm. and then stepping into it and then trusting and understanding the right people will be attracted to that when you're in integrity and authentic. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think the, the idea of attracted to that is important because we know that the gifted brain can be very concrete and very focused, right? And I would encourage anyone listening to this that intimacy and relations cast a wider net there. So, you know, I was very attracted to Julia when I met her. I mean, look at her. I mean, right? Right. Um, I'm very, very, very proud of myself.
3: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> did good, doctor.
1: I did very good, but it was <laughs> the sort of thing that I was like, this is a person who's on my wavelength, and I want to date her. I want to have a romantic relationship with her. But if that didn't work out, this was still someone I wanted in my life. And I think we put so much emphasis on the sexual, romantic parts of intimacy that we get in our own way, we're rushing, we're trying to put the cart before the horse. And it's like, hey, if you become my best friend and you're dating somebody else, then it's likely you would have friends who are like you. And maybe those friends become my friends, maybe one of those people are somebody I could date, right? Mm-hmm. Creating a broad network of intimate individuals in your life is go- is only going to help, you, right? Because good people attract good people, and people, they're on your wavelengths, and they're going to give you opportunities that that facilitate those sort of dating, romantic things. So even if it's not the person, creating that relationship will feed other relationships. And I think that's a vital thing. That, that's the sort of thing I wish I knew in my early 20s that I get now.
0: Right, right. Because right. it... It does matter because that concrete brain, I think people assume who aren't gifted and aren't smart, assume that because somebody's gifted that everything is very visionary and out there, but they don't realize that that's not always the case. It's very concrete most of the time. And so we're in here living this concrete life and all the people out there are thinking we're living this expanded life and it takes a lot of work to expand. Yes. And more than people realize, wouldn't you say? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So what about vulnerability? Like emotional vulnerability,
1: oh, my favorite thing
0: oh. I mean that's a little tricky sometimes, you know, because men are taught you know big boys don't cry and hide everything and blah blah all that stuff and and mm-hmm. women are taught to be clingy and needy, and that's not necessarily the case in smart women, and so when you don't live within any of those societal norms, gratefully, I believe then. Right. How do you do vulnerability? What What would you suggest to people who are like, oh, I'm trying to date people, and I don't know what to do about this vulnerability piece?
2: Well, so what's coming to mind for me is, is also acknowledging that we have dated people who were not the right fit for us along the way, and um, that that can actually have some some damage. Yeah. Um, You know, I, I I've been in relation, I had been in relationships that I myself and my intellect and all that were not treated kindly. And so I became less secure about myself and about my abilities. And so that, that kind of baggage that, that comes with you that can make it even harder when you do maybe finally find someone who feels more on your level or, or, or like somebody who you might want to be with. Um, and I guess I bring this up just because that piece of vulnerability I know for myself was even harder because I had been punished for being vulnerable in the past. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you put yourself out there and somebody does not appreciate it, does not want it. It may even tell you that pieces of it are wrong or aren't good or aren't desirable. And so I, I think a lot of us come with just a, unfortunately a lifetime of baggage, unless we've been lucky enough to stumble into some really good supports when we're younger. Um, that can make that that much harder. And so it's not only our big emotions and our, the way our brains work, but also just what the world has told us in some very concrete, specific ways in the past. Yeah. Um, you know, which, so like, that's sort of what you come into <laughs> it with. Yep. Um, I don't know what my next thought is. I was just, I, I feel like it's really important to honor that it's, you're never just starting fresh, right? Like nothing is fresh that you're bringing all this up with you.
1: And, and it's going to be at the forefront
2: of your mind, right? Mm-hmm. Because
1: situations that vibrate to previous trauma, bring up that trauma. So it's like, Oh, oh, God, this is the fight. This is the fight that we have that, that we break up, because in previous relationships, that's happened. Mm-hmm. And what I the key to navigating any relationship is communication. But specifically, I think in this case about around vulnerability, it's meta communication. It's talking about talking. And I remember early on when when we started dating, my best friend said to Julia that you'll know when I get really upset because I get really quiet.
3: Hmm.
1: And I think it was either that night or the next night. Some like something stupid happened, and I just got into a bad headspace. Bad, I was yeah. You know, I got real quiet, real tight, and I remember. Julia watching me, and I remember thinking, like, I've been punished for this before. I've been punished for getting upset. I've been pu- punished for losing my cool. And she was like, "This is what he was talking about, right? You're really quiet right now." And I, and all I could say in that moment was, "This is hard for me. This is hard for me to talk about. It's hard for me because vulnerability isn't a light switch. It's it's a pathway." Yes. Right? And that was the first step on that pathway for for us, really, in like a very meaningful way. And And being able to talk about talking about it without talking about it, I think made it easier on both of us.
0: Right. I think I'm glad you bring up that point because I think it is really important that and sometimes people try to jump in a little bit too quick, too fast and not give the space to say, "Okay, let me process how this is going to work. And let us find that meaningful middle place to talk about talking about it or sit in the space of it or whatever it is in order to then say, okay, now what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. And how is that gonna work or or whatever, right? You know, I think it's really, really important. So what about emotional overexcitabilities and intensities? Like I I know that most of us who are smart, we are highly emotional people whether we show it or not, and whether we admit to it or not. Yeah. Right. And that's that shut down when we get angry or whatever it is, you know, that I always just laugh because sometimes my emotions feel like the Tasmanian devil, like, wow, completely out there. And other times I'm like, I am so blissful and calm that it's the other side, but it's still the same overexcitability. It just, you know, it just looks different. And so sometimes people around me don't get that. They think I'm being different or fake, like one's fake and, and the other one's real when they're both real, right? So it's easy to be misunderstood when you have like these wide range of things, even by another gifted person. Oh yeah, totally. Right, or another smart person because they might have a whole different range, right? So, what are some things that you might suggest to people to kind of talk about or pay attention to? Like, okay, they're getting ready to start dating somebody, or they like this person, but there's this divergence, and they can see it and appreciate it. But how do you bring that together, or do you? Maybe it's like, ah, it's too different.
2: I think it's very much about the talking about it that communicating about communicating i mean we we joked when we were first dating because we met in grad school and so we're both psychologists now we're like oh we're such psychologists like we we have a fight and then we talk about it we have feelings and then we need to talk about it it felt like every time something happened
1: there There was was lots of talking
2: there was was, it yes um it's ended up being a really helpful thing because now it's now we do it not only after the fact but before the fact like um like coming into the holiday season for example we both were aware of things that were going to be difficult for us and so when at at moments when we weren't as upset (laughs) about you know just everything that's going on in the world, we sat down and we're like, listen, this is going to be hard for me. This is how I may react. And I want you to know it's not
3: you. Right. Yes.
2: Like I said that to him, we're going to be missing this tradition. My family does. And I know I'm, I'm going to have a hard time that day. And I want you to know you don't have to fix it. You don't have to try to make me feel better. And it's not that I'm upset with you, but I just, I have a feeling I'm going to, I'm not going to be the most fun on that day. Yeah. And you know it's it's something that then when we come to that day and I'm all sorts of emotions, he can at least hold on to the conversation and say, "Okay, like it, it may be hard to to totally believe it, but it's like, okay, she told me this was going to happen. Nope. I suppose I should let you speak for yourself on how this actually works, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, but it it's something that we've developed over the years of just trying to clue in the other person about our own emotional reactions
0: right i think that's so important because i think the human nature isn't it true that you know most people think it's about them and it's really never about them it's always about the person and so when we can say it out loud like i might i might be acting a little goofy today because of whatever it is and it's not you you might think it's you but it's not you and that that reminder i think to both brains really helps because it cuts down the blame it cuts down the transference it cuts down the you know wanting to take it on and fix it necessarily because sometimes just being in it is where the where yeah. the connection and intimacy is like can you be with that person right. no matter where they are
1: and that's where the gifted brain can work against you in dating because we like to understand we like to control we like to know what's up so you will find yourself injecting yourself into your partner's problems making it about yourself, which eventually makes it about yourself, right? You're mad. No, I'm not mad at you. You're mad at me. I had a bad day at work. No, but you're mad at me. I'm not mad at you. I'm getting mad at you. (laughs) But now you've moved from an unknown, uncontrollable situation to a known uncontrollable situation. And when you're anxious, your body will cling to whatever control you can grab. And you, you've been with me for 10 years. You know I do this, right? And this is the thing, because like, I don't like not knowing. So, or especially early in our relationship, I would find a way to make a regular bad day. You got stuck in traffic. I like, like, oh, this is my failure as a partner. And it's like, and it becomes the ultimate self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because you've made it about yourself. So your partner ultimately gets upset with you, which proves you right, but then you both feel worse. Right. So naming that, checking that. And using very concrete language, say, "I know your brain's going to take you there. I know that because I had a rough day at work, and I came home and I'm stomping around the house. That it's like it's because I didn't have dinner on the table. It's, it's 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 because I didn't call and check in on the drive home from work. No, it's because I had a bad day at work. And that's like, you know, this is a funny acronym to use and I talk about dating, but it's KISS, right? Keep it simple, stupid, right? Like you know, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> you know, it, like." One of the biggest gifts we can give ourselves in, in any relationship, but especially in, in in a romantic, intimate one is believe the people that we welcomed into our lives when we tell us, when they tell us what we want to hear, right? I mean, that is, you know, hey, are you okay? I'm not okay. Believe them. I'm, are you mad at me? I'm not mad at you. Believe them because that's the trust and communication that fuels a relationship.
0: Right. And and I think that's a big important part because people will say the truth and then the person <laughs> denies that it's a truth or tries to say, no, you're not telling the truth. And then now the argument is over who's telling the truth and then not, and and the real thing goes away, you know, yeah. goes over here and then emerges again because it's not resolved. And it just creates this this cycle. So what do y'all what do both of you say about the idea that um, well, I'll just tell you what my great aunt used to tell me, and I want your feedback on this one because this is a good one. <laughs> and um, and it it goes with some people that I know. A lots of my gifted friends would say this, and I still I, I'm having difficulty with it in my own mind. And the comment is this: You have so many brains, you can date somebody with half your intelligence and you just take care of the whole thing like you are so smart you don't really need to worry about having other smart people in your life in fact don't go looking for them find like the regular average people because you have more than you need
1: we were literally talking about this last night so yeah,
0: you go. yeah. <laughs> i um, <laughs> i
2: i was thinking about this topic before before we were talking because i was like well i don't know i think you might be the first really smart person I dated. And wait, <laughs> that's like not a totally fair statement. There probably is yeah. someone else. But I I tend I did tend to date people who weren't as smart as me, just mm-hmm. happenstance how it happened. And I had just I had resigned myself to think that I would have to be with somebody who wasn't where I was. You know, I I found my intellectual stimulation from my family or from friends or from online, but in my, in my dating life, um, especially the, the relationship I was in before I was with Matt, I just had grown to accept this. That, that just wasn't something I was going to have. Mm-hmm. And that, that wasn't because I had the brains to make up for the two of us. It was because I didn't think it was possible to find somebody else like me. I, I thought, well, they're very nice and they treat me very well. And so I think this is just what I can get. Um, And so, you know, you're, you're, I, yeah, yeah, I, I don't agree with what (laughs) with the statement, I think is, is sort of the, the final answer to that one. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you get to a point of just, there aren't other people like me. So I, I'll have to piece together that full, what I need from a bunch of people instead of from my partner.
0: Right. Yeah. That's how I always, whenever somebody would say that, I go, that doesn't make sense to me. But okay. You know, like, you want to think that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and there are, there are all sorts of reasons to date someone, right? And depending on the point of your life you're in, you may be seeking things other than intellectual stimulation, which is fine because it's a journey. But the more serious you get about it, the more you realize that that at the end of the day, it's not about sex. It's not about dating. It's not about meeting the parents. It's about the, the, the times between those times Mm -hmm. and those times, that's when we are talking and being together and engaging in activities, you know, and it's the sort of thing that like. You don't care about sports as much as I care about sports, right? I love sports. I would watch (laughs) sports all the time, but you care about things as much as I care about sports. So we don't need to have that in common, right? But it's a, you can talk about, you know, fashion to pick something or or crafting, (laughs) right? Pick something out of the air. And like, and even though I don't understand that at the same level you do, I speak passion, like you speak passion, right? So it's that, it's that idea that if you don't have that kind of synchronicity in a relationship, sooner or later, you either run out of things to talk about or burn the other person out. I just can't listen to you talk about this anymore, right? And that's when I think when you try to be the whole brains in the relationship, you set yourself up for a situation where your partner gets tired of listening to you. Because they are not, they're not operating on that same depth of intensity, and that's, and that's a that's a tough thing for I think for a lot of people to see. Because we want relationships to work, like mm-hmm. it's it can feel like a very value laden thing to say that you can't keep up with me. But if if that's what we need to be happy in a relationship, then that's something we
0: have to find. Right, I agree. I totally agree with that because we want it to be comfortable and have a flow to it and period, whatever that looks like, (laughs) you know, like why would we want to be with somebody where it's not comfortable and it's not nice and it's not pleasant. I mean, yeah, we all have ups and downs, but you know, the overall, like you said, the moments in between the big moments, those like when you were talking, I was thinking about being comfortable driving in a car someplace in silence. And not having to talk and just being comfortable not talking and, but being together and like that togetherness doesn't need noise.
1: Yeah, tell her.
3: No, I it's, yeah, no.
0: it's your test. Go for it. So, <laughs> I, oh, we have a test. I,
1: see, I believe in the road trip test. I think that you've got to drive somewhere with someone early on in the dating process to see how you road trip together because it is impossible to fill a road trip with conversation the entire time and at some point there's going to be silence and how you navigate that silence both of you i think tells a lot about where the relationship is headed and you're past that with flying colors
0: mm-hmm. so how long was the road trip like five minutes three days like what kind of what length of road trip are we talking, you know? Because road be brains out there are gonna to try to put a time frame on it. So what would yeah. the time frame be?
1: A proper road trip needs to be at least an hour away. All right, okay. At least an hour, I would say.
0: So yeah. it'd be an hour away, not just driving around town for an hour, it'd be actually like going someplace. Yes.
1: Yeah, you, you have to have a destination in mind.
0: Okay. All right. Well, there's a nice
2: added Nice. Um, the longer the trip, the more potential stressors pop up things. Like if the person navigates in a way that works for the driver or, um, if you need to stop at a rest stop or someone gets hungry, you know, music tastes. Yeah. You get to throw in a lot of little, can we survive? Yeah. <laughs> small,
0: small clashes yes. that
2: when you're in a car with someone feel a little bigger.
0: Yeah. Right. So that's a really good test. So, and that's a, also a really good barometer be, to just in general, because the stress could be a little higher. Like I have friends of mine on traveling um, right now and they, and they called and said, yes, we're stuck on the interstate and there's some kind of wreck and we've been sitting here, but at least the sun is out. So they all got out of the car, the family, and they're enjoying the sun on the side of the road because there's nothing else to do. And I also- I'm sure there's people in other cars that are not seeing the beautiful sun and in- mm-hmm. the day there are probably having a little bit more stress response to it. So those kinds of things that come up, that's a good way to tell if you're dating somebody kind of what's the long term going to look like.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So if you're dating somebody and you're a smart person and, and, and they're listening to you guys and they're going, I don't know that maybe I'm not dating the right person or maybe I'm not giving myself a chance. Like they're either hiding part of it, or maybe there's somebody that likes them and they're kind of afraid of getting involved, you know, that kind of thing. Like there's, there's those, those internal little um, warnings or Mm -hmm. look, look over here, look over here, those little things. What would you say to those people who are having these bright ideas, ahas, listening to you? Now, obviously, you know, they can always contact you and, and work with you to help you guys can help them through it. But what are some things somebody can do if they're having a hunch that they need to make a shift somehow? that maybe they could start looking at on their own.
1: Mm -hmm. So I follow the three P rule and it's, you find your purpose, then your place, then your person. Hmm. So use that as a self checklist. So, um, I know I said this the last time I was on this wonderful podcast, but you know, in my early twenties, I worked for a travel company. And I had I had friends there. I even dated some people I worked with, but I was I wasn't happy, right? It wasn't my purpose. You know, I was good at it, but I, you know, it's it was just a job. So as a result, the place I was in felt less authentic. And I don't think it's an accident that I wasn't finding people that I was really vibing with from a romantic sexual perspective, right? It wasn't until I moved to Philadelphia and started working in mental health that all of a sudden, I was authentically communicating about what I did. And I had this super difficult job, and I, my schedule was, was bonkers. And, but I would, you know I would go on dates, I would go to these happy hours, and I would say, here's what I do, I'm so passionate about it. And I realized in doing so, it became a bit of an echo chamber. That was like I fell in love with the city of Philadelphia. And so I decided to go to grad school here. And wouldn't you just believe it, I found my purpose, found my place, First day of grad school, I found my person. So, (laughs) you know, it's the sort of thing if you're sitting out there and you're, you know, and you're kicking around like, do I need to go to grad school? Do I need to change careers? Do I need to move? You know, have I run out the clock in San Diego or Missoula or wherever you might be? The answer is probably yes. Because if you are doing things that chase passion, only good things are going to flow from there. And I am just a firm believer in that. Not only from what I've experienced in my own life, but from what I've seen working with people that, you know, follow the three P rule. Right? If you're not living your purpose, it's going to be really difficult to find all the other things that fall from that. Right. So three P rule. The
0: three P rule. Yeah. Right. See, I use the five or six P rule with proper planning prevents poor performance rule. Yes. So now I'm going to add. <laughs> three P rule, and then uh, now people will be really annoyed because I'll just be doing three P's. Which P was exchange. it? I... <laughs> <laughs> That's all the P rules. Yeah. That's the letter of the day, right? Yes,
3: okay. I, love, I love.
0: I love it. So, is there anything that is coming to mind for either of you that I didn't ask about? Because we could talk about this forever, but I also want to be very attentive to your family and your time. So, is there anything that? I didn't ask about that's coming to mind for either of you that you would like to share. Yes.
2: Um, and, and this is sort of in line with the last question you asked is, uh, we have the benefit of having been together for almost a decade. (laughs) Um, we were not so like, I I feel like it's almost that disclaimer, like things are, things are great. They're solid. And also we know much more now than we did 10 years ago. Um, I don't know if I, okay, I would not have been able to reflect on this stuff the same way a decade ago before I met Matt. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I think for anyone who's watching or listening to this to just keep in mind that you don't immediately get into that rhythm of, we talk about everything. We know what our triggers are. We know what our intelligence is or what it means. Yeah. I mean, this this was a this was a growing process this is this is a decade of work here this is not something and it's still growing and right? still yes. growing. right yeah we still have these conversations regularly um so right there's you don't jump in already knowing how to do everything and you actually never know everything which is really you know easy for for gifted people to, to be okay with is yeah not, right knowing it's everything. fine it's fine it's fine <laughs> um and then I'll then I'll add just in my own journey with this, I didn't know I was gifted until I was with Matt. Yes. Um, <laughs> I finally convinced her. It took him about nine years. <laughs> um, like I knew I was smart, I knew I was capable, but this idea of giftedness just could not. Con- I could not connect with it, and I think a lot of it was I wasn't around people like me. Right. You know, I, I was in a a school system growing up that didn't identifying me as a gifted person. I had friends who were high achievers, but not the same. I dated people who were not sort of even remotely where I was. And so it's part of that learning yourself. I I was lucky I found someone. Um, and then I am proud that I worked hard to grow that relationship yeah. because that actually helped me to know myself better, which then helped with the intimacy, the emotional vulnerability, all those things sort of tie together and they go um, and they grow and keep growing. And so, you know, we, we want there to be the rule, the road trip test, the three P rule, but it's, it's also, it's messy and we don't know exactly how to do it. And no. and we're figuring it out as we go just as much as anyone else.
0: Yes. Yes. And it's, it's always a growing evolutionary expanding process. And and most of the people I work with don't use the word gifted, though they are. And right. one person actually came in my house and I had I had a book on the table that had the word gifted in the title. And she picks it up and goes, it's a thing. I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, it's a thing. I thought you just used that word all the time. It's a real thing. And I'm like,
3: yeah. <gasps> yay.
0: <laughs> you know, and, and it's, but it, it takes sometimes some understanding of getting the language and the understanding on deeper levels. And so when we ha- can reflect it back to each other, we yeah. can see it more fully. So, it, I think all relationships give us that opportunity to always be expanding and growing, and sure. becoming more authentically who we are meant to be from the inside out.
1: And that, and in that authenticity, come vulnerability has to be driving shotgun there, right? right. To be authentic, we must be vulnerable. Yes. And I think that you know, working with a lot of teams, right? You know, I and I. One of the things I do is I talk about sex education for gifted and twice exceptional people. Somebody here helped me write that um, uh, that curriculum, and I always quote one of my one of my former clients. I don't work with him anymore, Um, but he's like, Doctor Matt, why would I date anybody? Internet porn is free and it never lets me down. And we had a good chuckle about it, right? But he's not wrong, and that's the thing. It is. The patterns you're in wherever you are listening to this, they're protective, and you've 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 developed them for for very good reasons, but the idea is to take that next step to get the things you want it's going to re- it's going to require some authentic leaps that are going to require you to be vulnerable. The internet's never going to let you down, but it's never going to give you what you need either right so both sides of that coin can be true so you know, I remember. I remember distinctly the first time I ever asked somebody out, right? And it was this sort of thing, like it was very high school, right? It's like, okay, so my friends told me that she likes me, and you know, and and, and my friends have told her that I like her. So, like, it's, it's pretty much like a sure thing, right? So it was that still like you know, flop sweat, like, cause you're, if you want you to, if there's a dance, right? And you know, I mean, it was awful, like. Put it in like the 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 low light film, and she still said yes. And it was a very good high school relationship, right? It was for all the goods and bads that come with that. But it doesn't happen without being authentic, and it doesn't happen without being vulnerable. And so risks too, taking risks, Mm -hmm. right? You these things all go together, you know. And it's that old line: if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. And I think no, nowhere is that more true than dating, right? You know, you it's easy, like, oh, you know, well, I'm just gonna go on a Tinder date to the local sports bar and I'll have two glasses of wine and we'll make out in the Uber on the way home. and And then that's what that is. And, and, and that's fine. But hopefully listening to this has made you start to ask some of those questions about. Is this really what I want? Is that that intimacy? Is that that authenticity? Because if it isn't, then hopefully we've given you a bit of a, like a sort of a guidebook or a map to get to where those things are.
0: So then that brings up the question about why am I dating anyway? Am I dating just for kicks or am I dating to really find a partner? And what does that look like? And what do I, you know, what, what are all the belief systems that go with that? So Understanding what our purpose is, understanding what the real deal is here, or are we just going to go have fun, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, because those have different pieces that line up to get us to what we say we want. So I always ask the question, is what I'm about to do going to get me where I say I want to go? Right.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like that a
0: lot. Yeah. So that that's, I teach that a lot. Like, is what I'm about to do going to get me where I say I want to go? Right. Yeah. Right. And if that's
1: misaligned, what does that tell you? Right. Right.
0: And that that therein lies the opportunity to rectify it, to get it in alignment. And when we're in alignment, we're much more effective in whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Dating included, relationships, work, everything. Yeah. Right. So anything else that is coming to mind that that you either of you feel is important or I missed or you want to elaborate on?
2: Something something yeah. that one of you just said, and I can't even put my finger on it, reminded me of another thing that Matt and I used as a test that's sort of too strong a word. But, um,
1: <laughs> How'd I do? <laughs> we,
2: we've we had this discussion many times that we feel like, the, at least for us, the person we're dating is someone who should challenge us and make us better. mhm yeah. So this is someone who can see the good things in you and help you elevate them. It's someone who you can see the good in them sometimes when they can't see it, sometimes when they can. But we make each other better in so many different ways. And I think that that has been so important in our foundation, in our ability to co-parent, in our ability to navigate just everything life throws at us along the way is at the end of the day, we... Have a lot of things that are very different, but we have enough of those core values that are the same. And then we use that to just bring up sort of everything, you know? Yeah. I think that's been a very important piece of it.
0: Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah. Amplifying what's of value and goodness in each person. I think that's really important.
1: Yeah. It's like compliment and compliment, right? Like you say Hmm. nice things about the person and they prop you up. It's, it's the best of both worlds. Um, I would add in building sort of off what you said is the idea of the right way to date is the right way to date for you and the person you're dating.
3: Hmm.
1: We broke pretty much all the rules. I'd say we moved in together before a year. Right. You know, I mean, we, and it worked for us. And I think that's the thing. It's like, don't follow the concrete things that somebody else did because it worked for them and the person they were dating. But, you know, the, the sort of the contextual things like leading from values, being authentic, being vulnerable. You know, I, I think a lot about, and I'm going to connect this back. I promise. There's an episode of the Big Bang Theory where Harold is dating Bernadette, Howard is dating Bernadette. And Bernadette's character had been very well fleshed out at this point, right? She was just sort of like blonde and pretty and smart. And so they go on their third date and they're talking in front of her apartment. And she's like, well, you know, Howard, you know what happens on the third date? And Howard, who has no idea, goes, no, what happens on the third date? And she looks at the and she goes, sex. You have sex at the end of the third date and he like his head basically explodes right cuz he's not prepared for that and but then she says but i don't think we're ready to for these reasons and and it's the sort of thing that when i have neurodiverse kids who start dating i make them watch that clip because the idea is we don't know how much how many rules we've internalized about dating and sex and and relationships until we're put in the position where those things get triggered. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, well, after the third date, you have sex. Well, who wrote that down and who did it work for? Who said, right. Right. You so have sex on the first date, have sex on the 30th date. It's the thing that if you're openly communicating and vulnerable, then you're going to have those conversations. And, and it's funny because I think gifted people are often afraid to have those conversations because it's this, you're stepping out of this very clear, concrete, pretty thinking. This is how my brain works to like the goopy messy stuff that is unintended, I guess. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) but But you know, like, that's messy and that's hard to talk about, but then that's all the more reason we have to talk about it. You know, we, we have to be able to, to talk about like, You know, I'm attracted to you, you know, you know, talk about consent, talk about sexual pleasure, talk about frequency and type of, of romantic and sexual intercourse, because that's, I mean, if we don't have those conversations, we are trying to do a difficult thing, make a relationship work with one hand tied behind our back. And, you know, and it's the sort of thing to go back to what I was saying before, like the internet porn doesn't ask that of us. I mean, basically we need Wi-Fi. And 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 maybe a lock on your door, um, <laughs> but it's the sort of thing that, like, because the barrier to the barrier to entry is higher, and the barrier to can to continue is higher, a lot of people feel like they can't do it, so they they shrink away from it. And I'm telling you to go towards that, right? You know, because those are the things to get what you want that you have that you really have to do.
0: Right. So it's so important to stay in alignment with your own values and what's important to you and to be willing to communicate those things and be willing to have a dialogue about it because the chances, like our brain says that everybody thinks the way we do, but the truth is no one does. Nobody does. And so when we start realizing that sometimes our own beliefs, our own thinking patterns lie to us because I don't care how much aligned we are with somebody, they don't think exactly the same way as us. That's the beauty of it. In all that diversity. And sometimes it's messy and tricky because how do you navigate that? especially if the other person may or may not be aware or open, but that gives you very good information moving forward. Oh my goodness, totally. It's, it's just a very big subject on so many levels. It's amazing. Well, I wanna thank both of you for being here and for sharing all this. I could go on and on because I, I love the way both of you think. I, and I think this is a really important topic because I think a lot of people um, have a lot of unnecessary pain and disconnection and siloing themselves and things like that when really it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. You know, those old things kind of hunt, hunt them down. So I have one final question. I've asked Matt this question before. So Julia, this question is for you. I was hoping
1: you were going to ask her this. <laughs> I'm, just going to, I'm just going to sit here and watch.
0: <laughs> um, because he's already, he's already had to, and, and I can't not ask you. And I'm so glad you came on the show today. Um, and so the question is this. We're going to have a billboard that the whole world can see that has Julia's quote on it. What is on that billboard? what would you put on that quote on it huh yeah Yeah, your
3: quote
2: i think i think what i want the world to know is you matter and you should take the time to really believe that about yourself beautiful
3: isn't isn't she great jeez that's (laughs) awesome
0: i'm pretty proud of myself (laughs) Yeah. Rocks. Not Julie, not only that, you didn't go, oh. uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I get every I get every response in the world. Um it's great. That that is really beautiful and it's totally true. And mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that you came on the show um with Matt today and this has made me fun. And so I think maybe we'll have to do an episode just with you. At some point, because it's be yeah. fun. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you would be a great guest. So everybody, you've been listening to Doctors Matt and Julia, and they um, are both psychologists. They both work with gifted people. They happen to be married, and they have two amazing children. But better than that, they're really good at helping with relationships and helping us understand smart people dating because they're smart people. So if you have any questions or you wanna reach out to them, all of their contact information for both of them are in the show notes along with how to follow them on Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn and all those places because the content they put out is amazing as well. So I wanna thank both of you for being here on the show with us and for sharing great wisdom and joy and happiness. So thank you.
1: Thank you, this
0: was awesome. Yes, yeah. it sure was. So remember everybody to put your face to the sun so the shadows fall behind you because you're a rock star. You're here on purpose with a purpose. So go out there and live and shine your light bright until the next episode of Someone Gets Me. Be well. Bye. Thank you for listening. I trust you gained some valuable inspiration and information. Please join me and other visionaries in the Someone Gets Me Facebook group. Or for more information on my services and additional episodes, visit someonegetsme.com. Again, thanks for listening.